everyone, and welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast with myself, Jake and Milham, and I have the usual, the one and only, Jeremy Greco joining me tonight. Jeremy, how you doing? I, you know, I think I've done this a bit before, but I still <laughs> continue to just be glad that I am the one and only me. Yes, you are. You are the one and only you. It's, uh, if there's another one of you running around, I am greatly concerned. I think that has something to do with the time-space continuum. We should probably talk to Michael J. Fox and get that amended as soon as possible. He'd just say, this is heavy. I, I You know, we got to find Doc Brown, I think, is, <laughs> like, is the real plan. I, I think so. I think so. Or we could just call Rick and Morty. Well, uh, they, they can they can figure it out, too. Yeah, they're oh, just <laughs> all, all knockoffs of each other and yes that is another voice you are hearing on the podcast right now he is michael with the royal deluxe podcast michael how you doing tonight man uh i'm doing pretty all right i got the minsky's z-man pizza today and it lives up to the hype and i'm extremely honored to be on this podcast to talk about something that has not happened in about two weeks the Royals won a baseball game. <laughs> we did it! <laughs> Hang the banner. It happened. Just start the oh, parade. Boy. Yes. Um, hold on. I'm sorry. I, I can't talk about the Royals until I find out what the heck a Z-Man pizza is. Yeah, you know, so the 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 Z-Man at Joe's Casey or Oklahoma Joe's, as I still remember it as they did a partner, they're doing a partnership with Minsky's. They're making a pizza with all the contents of a Z-Man on it. So it's a pizza with brisket Ooh. and barbecue sauce and crispy onion rings and it's exactly as good as it sounds see here's my real question though is does the crust get soggy because that's where all these like specialty pizzas mm. fall apart is the crust man i don't think minsky's really has that problem in general okay. they, they, they always have like kind of a soft crust in general that holds up well over time okay. i do still have some upstairs though so maybe i'll get back to you in like an hour whenever we're done <laughs> <laughs> update it did fall apart actually <laughs> Those all <thoughts>. right <laughs> how dare you give them a good review all right but hey anyways let's talk about some kansas city royals but if you guys want to get straight to all the kansas city royals news analysis and updates please go check out royalsreview.com you can find a lot of stuff from a lot of great creators over there. Um, a lot of stuff from Greg, from Jeremy, and the whole cast and crew over there. So please go check them out. Um, but yeah, Michael, you said it. You said it best. The Royals' losing streak is finally over. It ended at ten, if I do recall correctly. Yep. So you know, thankfully, they have the worst mark in the last ten among all major league teams. One and nine. The Royals All are the right. only ones to do that. Heck yeah, I I love it. I love it. Um, Jeremy, do you have? Um, I want I want to give you an an Oscars like pulpit here. Like, do you you want to thank the Academy for uh for the Royals actually winning a game? I don't I don't know how you want to take this. I remained convinced until the moment that uh, who was it? They crossed the plate. Was it was it uh, Garcia that won the game? Yeah. I remained convinced until the moment that happened that the Royals were going to find a way to lose that game. And, you know, they kept trying, honestly. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm as surprised as anybody. And then and then they went back today and, and lost again. And, and <laughs> now everything is normal. Yeah, ev everything yeah. just felt like it like it was supposed to be. Um, Michael, I mean. I, I don't think any of us are, are dads here, but like, could you imagine your kid taking you to a, a Royals game, being all excited and <laughs> just see the Royals lose again? Well, I mean, 
I guess that's what how, how the Royals dads feel in general because they did that in Florida or something earlier. <laughs> Oof! Like that's like it was that, there was that, the, the whole Marlins series. They did they took their dads out there because they have a bunch of dads and a bunch of those guys live in Florida and they got swept. So <laughs> that's I it's not great. I absolutely took my dad to a Royals game uh, for Father's Day. Uh, this was back when we lived in Atlanta. I, I took him out and uh, we went to a Royals Braves game. And uh, yeah, they lost that one, too. <laughs> it's uh, it's the Father's Day curse. I'll have to go back and look to see how the Royals actually do on Father's Day, because in my mind, I think they do better on Mother's Day. Or that's that's one of those perception is reality sort of things. Like the last time I saw the Royals play was on Mother's Day and they won the doubleheader, which Sounds, that just doesn't sound. He, he always hits a home run for Mother's Day, doesn't he? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. He's always that. on fire for that for that series, at least. <laughs> oh, but yeah, guys, things are I mean, we, we all know it here. We all follow the team pretty closely. Um, things are pretty dire for the Royals right now. They I will say this they don't have the worst winning percentage anymore. They are still tied for the fewest wins in major league baseball, but the (laughs) Oakland athletics have three more losses. So I guess that's a, that's some sort of consolation prize. Um, It's just, you just got to shake your head and, and keep it moving. Like there's so many things working against this team right now that it's, it's hard to pick out. One like I was I was excited in today's game where that ball hit the hit the Angels base runner. I was like, yes, we finally <laughs> got some good luck. Woo! <laughs> but oh man, I mean, M- Michael, I, I want to go and start off with you because listening to your podcast, you can kind of tell the tone shift from <laughs> the beginning of the season to to now, and, and rightfully so. Our tone has changed as well. But I just want to I want to get a temperature check on how you're feeling right now. Um, well, I've been saying on this show, on, on my show, that it, it can't get any worse. And I know that technically it can. Like, you, you can always lose more games. You can always lose games worse. Like the, like, the Royals could tomorrow lose 30 to nothing. That would be worse. But, like, what would that actually mean for this season? Everything has gone so wrong for this team, just in, in general. Like, they've lost all these games, and now they're losing core players in, on their roster, Chris Bubich getting injured. Sorry, Jeremy and Vinny now getting injured. It's just, yeah, it, 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 it's horrible. Like, what what is more losing at this point? What are more injuries at this point? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty dire. I mean, Jeremy, we haven't had a temperature check from you in a while. How, how are you feeling <laughs> right now about the Royals? Let's hear it. I mean, what what do you want me to say? They just. Words. I want you to say words. Words, huh? Okay. Uh, yes. Well, Alpha Garden Tango. I don't know. AG. We're talking about America's Got Talent now. Is that, is that what you want to talk about? <laughs> this, they got more talent somewhere than the Royals do. <laughs> that much. God, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the injuries. I we talked. I think it was a couple weeks ago. I made fun of uh, of Ryan Lefevre for mm-hmm. for blaming the Royals difficulties on injuries and uh and then they started actually getting injured like like if the Royals <laughs> were good the injuries wouldn't be a problem now uh but they're not good and the injuries just mean I, I they mean more guys are playing I guess Freddie Fermin got an extra start uh Michael Massey goes to the IL so we get to see uh Matt Beatty and <laughs> uh and, and 
uh, Samad Taylor. Sorry, brain yeah. fart there. No, it's it, it's all good. We have a lot of actually. That's a good segue into transactions because a lot of moves have really happened since last time we had a podcast episode, and that's that's both a good and a bad thing because I do understand that a lot of those transactions are happening because of injuries and you you never like to see that, but there are a couple of returns and there are a couple of additions that I do like to see for the Kansas city Royals. So we're going to start off with Angel Zerpa, who did start his rehab assignment for the Northwest Arkansas naturals. Um, He's a top 10 prospect according to MLB.com made his debut a couple of years back. Um, I remember being really high on him, but injuries have just kind of kept him out of any any talks about joining the rotation you could definitely be a boost to uh to this staff coming up down the road so i'm looking forward to that but june 16th is where all the moves really happened that a lot of fans were happy about jackie bradley jr the era has ended in kansas city um I, I would say long may he reign, but long may he go missing from Major League Baseball. Like, I'm ready for that man to be gone. Can anybody remember, can either of you remember a single JBJ moment from this season? Just anything he did. Uh, I went to a game in, in late May. It was against the Tigers. It was a, a rare win for the Royals. And I think he had three hits in that game. Oh, my what? goodness. Yeah, I no can't way. believe it. <laughs> also, and I know we're going to talk about him in a minute, maybe a little bit, but Mike Myers also pitched that game and he pitched like five scoreless or something. <laughs> I, I got the, the best form of the of the 2023 Kansas City Royals. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you did. No doubt. But I mean, a, a lot of fans were rejoicing because JBJ being gone brought up Samad Taylor, who a lot of fans have been clamoring for to to see this year. Um, excuse me, Jeremy. I saw it. I, I saw your confused face. That that's my bad. Um, the, the Royals also optioned Nate Eaton back down to Omaha in that in that flurry of moves. Um, so JBJ gone, Nate Eaton back down to AAA. Samad Taylor up from AAA Omaha. How did they get Dyron Blanco up here again? Um, let's see. How did they get? I thought Dyron that was Blanco the JBJ cut. Um, let's see. No, I'm seeing Dyron Blanco got promoted on June 12th, and that would have been two days after they after Vinny went on the IL. But oh, also, okay. yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little confused about what the. I'm probably just doing my mouth wrong. On, this is kind on of this. a spider web of different things that happened. <laughs> yeah, there's been a just this month alone. There's been a ton of transactions. Like I'm looking at. 20 plus transactions. Uh, they and they started promoting 18th. a bunch of guys within the minor leagues to guys going from double A to triple A, A to double A. So they, this is, I guess, the the first period of the evaluation is complete and a bunch of guys needed to go and a bunch of guys needed to get promoted. Yeah, no doubt. And they're they're also adding a lot of people on minor league contracts. So that is definitely something to to keep an eye on. And it's, you know what, I'm let's go down this rabbit hole because I do think that this is something I feel strongly about is we are Royals fans are seeing the evaluation series take part at the major league level. And we're getting all the information and we're seeing all the stats and we're digesting all of that. But this evaluation has to extend down to the farm system because you got to think there are, you know, seven, eight times the amount of players on a major league roster that are down in the minors that this front office did not, you know, draft or did not sign or did not try to develop. So there's, there got to be weeding out some of those players down there. 
Michael, I I do want to get your take. Am I crazy here? Am I over overthinking this? No, you're absolutely right that we do need to look at what we have in the farm because, I mean, clearly if the major league roster isn't going to be performing well, then we have to get something from somewhere. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Jeremy, um, have you, you've, you've called me crazy before. I mean, this would be a perfect time to do it. <laughs> I mean, you're you're crazy but i i don't know that you're crazy for for that thought process yeah i mean you've got to you got to know you, you they, they absolutely have to evaluate at all levels because it it's pretty clear i think at this point that the uh, major league roster is not ready so that means you got to have some guys that are ready to come up and even if the major league roster was ready you've got to be ready to to move guys from the minors to the major leagues because you're you're going to have turnover to to some degree even if all of these guys turned out to be the best versions of themselves like you you don't want to pay nicky lopez too much money probably when mm-hmm. you're looking to extend other guys so you don't want to pay him to be your utility guy so you got to find your utility guy somewhere in triple a probably um and, and so you gotta and, and they talked about you know the the process of the the getting the information of the analytics goes yeah. beyond just the major leagues it's something that needed to happen in the minor leagues too um so hopefully they're that's what's happening right now is they're getting those those analytics out to coaches and to players players are improving or we're learning you know what it doesn't matter how many analytics we give this guy it's not going to happen time to move on yeah that's that's a great point um in that let, getting back to the transactions that we were talking about here on june 16th the other the other transaction was the royals added adini hekiavara i believe is how you say his name um 34 year old shortstop definitely like a glove first guy but he's been in the in and around major league baseball for years like he made his debut back in 2012 and he's been an independent league ball to my understanding ever since 2020 so that's not a not a great sign but he is uh he's somewhere in the Royals farm system right now, probably probably like the break glass in case of emergency utility guy like you were talking about, Jeremy. Hopefully. Hope hopefully. Hopefully he's <laughs> you know, not in the future. The the one thing that it might tell us, other than being a break glass in case of emergency guy, is Matt Duffy and Nikki Lopez mm-hmm. might be getting traded. And then they're like, Well, we need a utility guy once we get rid of them. Yeah, and that's what, Michael, I do want to get your thoughts on this a little bit because Matt Duffy, I think after his start today at first base, we have seen him play every single infield position this week, or sorry, not this week, this season alone. <laughs> yeah, um, makes sense. And I, I am curious, like, do you think that he could be on the move very, very soon? Um, I don't know. It just depends on what other teams that see in him i mean i guess that's obvious right but i mean if, if the royals can find a trade partner for him then yeah go for it but i also kind of see him as someone who could just be on this roster for the full season just to just to fill it out add a little bit of a veteran presence because he does seem to have a bit of a positive influence on players like michael massey who have cited him as such um and you know he just plays all these different positions that the royals might need on any given day he could be like the hans or alberto for this season and i don't think that would be an issue um, but again, yeah, if they, if they can trade him, then definitely. He seemed like an obvious trade candidate, uh, you know, early on when he was just hitting everything he saw. Um, and and like if he'd continued doing that, then you would definitely want to trade him because he's clearly not going to be here next year and you would want to get sure. whatever you could for him. 
Um, that obviously hasn't been the case lately, uh, though he's still good enough to lead off, I guess, as he did today. Yeah. Um, but I, I also I could see it going either way, I think, where he uh, he could get traded and I wouldn't be surprised and he could be on the roster for the entire season and I wouldn't be surprised. It yeah. just kind of if the Royals get, if the Royals get any offer for him, they should trade him but it's possible that they don't get any nobody nobody says oh man gotta really have matt duffy that's what's gonna get us through the playoffs or get us to the playoffs i you know that's hard to imagine but uh, weird things happen sometimes you know probably nobody in 2014 was thinking uh you know uh what was that minnesota outfielder's name that the royals went out and got uh i'm losing my mind here but probably <laughs> Probably Blake nobody was thinking, yeah, he's the missing piece for a playoff team. And the Royals went and got him. And by golly, he helped him get to the playoffs that year. <laughs> that's, you know, it's sometimes that's all a that's all a team needs is they just need like that that bench player that can be an emergency guy who allows them to, you know, it maybe that opens up another spot on the bench. It's like, okay, we know this guy can play four different positions. Now we can carry an extra catcher or an extra outfielder or an extra platoon guy. And as the season wears on, you know, you want to give your stars a day of rest and and you want to have a guy that you're not going to be embarrassed to have in the lineup. Um, Matt Duffy probably checks that box at least. That's true. That's true. And I'm I'm looking at his, his stats and there's still I know he hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity, but they're still looking fairly strong. Um, 317 batting average, 776 OPS on the season. And just the last week alone, he's had a good amount of looks in the last week, which that might be another sign. 14 at bats, um, 357 batting average and 429 slugging. Like I'll, I would absolutely take that. And you and you're looking at it. You're not looking for a top 30 prospect from any no. any system or anything like that. But what you are looking at is you're looking for those either those high ceiling guys that the Royals, for some reason, think that they can develop better than other people. Or you are looking for those guys that are going to round out like a, a high A or a double A roster, things like that. And it's, you know what, the, the Royals are in the perfect position to take a chance like this, because what what investment do they have in Matt Duffy? And at, at the end of the day, maybe they can flip him into a couple of lottery tickets. I think it's a smart business move, and I, I do hope that they get a deal done involving him sooner rather than later, because I think there are a few other guys who can play his role. Or maybe he gets added to the to the Roldis Chapman deal. I know. Uh, he reported that uh, they wanted to add somebody with Chapman and try and get a better return. Let's uh, go. That could make a little bit of sense. Maybe like prospect number 100 for yeah. Chapman and Duffy. The, the, <laughs> the 100th ranked prospect in someone's system. <laughs> hey, they, they could do worse. They could do worse for, for Matt Duffy. Well, hey, we're going to take a quick ad break. Coming up on the other side of this, we're going to be talking about more of the Royals transactions from this past week. Plus, we got to be talking about the pitcher who's actually making positive history for the Kansas City Royals. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the Royals Rundown podcast with myself, Jacob Milham, Jeremy Greco, and Michael of the Royal Deluxe podcast. So let's go ahead and keep on talking about these transaction guys because there's there's a lot to get caught up on. Um, Jeremy, I knew I knew you were a, a Mike Myers lover. You know, he was kind of <laughs> kind of your your replacement to the dance for Chris Bubich. Um, 
but he he is gone. So I don't even know if you're going to the dance anymore. Guy. He, he is gone. And here's the thing about Mike Myers is I, I wasn't in love with Mike Myers as much as I was in love with what he represented. Um, just to kind of go back to one of the points I tried to make earlier this year is I hated that uh the the jordan lyles signing because i felt like there was an opportunity there to instead of paying this guy millions of dollars to quote unquote eat innings poorly as he's gone oh and 11 and i think his era is still over seven on the year um that they could bring in a whole bunch of 4a guys or veterans who just couldn't find a team um and just let them give them a couple starts, see what happens. And if they're not anything, then you can move on because you're able to give those kinds of guys, you know, minor league minimum deal or not minor league, but major league minimum deals. Mm -hmm. Just looking for a team. Um, and you could, you could spend that money on a whole bunch of guys and maybe you get somebody who's really good and then you sign him to an extension. Um, and Mike Myers was kind of that kind of guy. He was a little older than I would have liked. I think he was 31, but he was kind of a, a, he's had a little bit of major league experience. Nobody else was really interested. You pick him up, you see if you can figure it out. Um, you give him a few starts and if he can't, then you, you can cut him without really feeling bad. You haven't, you haven't invested too much in him and you move on. So the, I, the Mike Myers signing, the Mike, the Mike Myers experience, they gave him a few starts. He had a couple good ones. He had a couple bad ones. They said, okay, that's too many bad ones. You're gone. That was, that was perfect. I just wish they did that like five or six more times instead of having Jordan Lyles. That's, that's true. And Michael, I'm, I'm going to throw out some stats here and then I want to get your thoughts on it because I was, you know what? I know Brooks Kriske is not exactly the the second coming of anyone <laughs> to to the Royals pitching staff. I mean, let let's be honest with you. I think he can bring something, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm looking at Myers' stats from his last three appearances: five innings, six earned runs; five innings, four earned runs; three innings, six earned runs. Like he had a really great start. He had a really good, like, what, two games for the Kansas City Royals, but the other four are what kind of killed his time here. They they gave him a long enough leash. They gave him the opportunities, but at the end of the day, he wasn't even at a replacement level, which is which is unfortunate. Michael, what are uh, what are your thoughts on the Myers uh, DFA? Yeah, you know, Jeremy put it pretty perfectly. I think the Royals uh, handled this about as well as they could. You know, they, they called this guy up because they just needed somebody. And he was surprisingly good for, uh, for a bit. His first, yeah, you know, his first three games, he had a 1.35 ERA. He had that near perfecto or com- or uh, contributed to the near perf- perfecto in St. Louis. And that was awesome. And then, you know, then he, then it all fell off because the league adjusted to him and found out that he's actually not very good. And the Royals even gave him the benefit of the doubt because I, I just kind of vaguely heard that, um, his first bad start, which was in Miami or bad game, quote, we'll call it what you will, because I think he had an opener for that. Um, they said, I think they, the Royals said that he was tipping pitches. So they were like, OK, well, we're not going to freak out about one bad start. But then one bad start turned into two and then three. And I was like, OK, well, let's stop pretending. Let's just get rid of him. Let's cut bait. And um, hopefully now we have a guy who can replace his spot in the rotation in Austin Cox. Fingers yeah, crossed. And that, yeah, f- fingers crossed on uh, Austin. Austin Cox there. Let's go ahead and talk about him a little bit more because Annie Rogers did actually write about him um, this afternoon ahead of the closer against the Los Angeles Angels. Um, he's been hey, he's been great to, to start off his uh, his major league career for a Hard lack be of better, much better terms. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see here. I am looking at this eight, eight and two thirds 
nine strikeouts. He struck out Shohei Otani and Mike Trout today against the Angels, a .35 whip. I mean, he is just absolutely dealing right now, still yet to surrender a hit or a run. He does have three walks, but I'll I'll take a, a three-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio. That's a, That'll definitely work. And if nobody's getting hits, three walks aren't going to hurt you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know what, uh, Jeremy and Michael, you guys touched on a little bit. I think a lot of people are overlooking the fact that Cox was a, a starter in Omaha. Like he wasn't, mm-hmm. he wasn't a long relief bullpen guy. Like this guy was a starter for the storm chasers. And despite so many of the other starters struggling at that level in the international league, Cox was doing really well. Like he was doing, I wouldn't call him like the ace of that staff because that's, that just doesn't seem like the right way to portray him, but he is, he was looking very good and very serviceable. Definitely one of the only guys I can think of at the triple a level who was definitely knocking on the door, making his case for the pitching staff in Omaha. And I, I think, I think he could be the fifth guy in the rotation. I think maybe they were letting Mike Myers have a chance to see if he can turn it around and he can't. So Maybe maybe Cox is a is an opener. Maybe he just go. Maybe he's just a bulk man. I don't know. Michael, do you, how do you think the Royals will or should deploy Cox this season? You know, I'm not entirely sure about that. I just okay. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Fair enough, Jeremy. Do you have any thoughts on it? Um, my thought, my first thought is, if not Cox, then who? Because there was a reason <laughs> yeah. Mike Myers was acting as a bulk man slash starter. Um, and if I had my way, uh, you're going to have to stretch him back out, right? Cause he's, he's not ready. Yeah. To, he's been in the bullpen for a while. He's not ready That's to throw true. 100 pitches. So I would probably go, go ahead and just slide him exactly into Meyer's slot, uh, use an opener, probably Carlos Hernandez, whenever possible. Um, and, and let him build up his innings. And if he continues to have success, then go ahead and try him as a starter. And, you know, if that doesn't work out, you can always and, – and if the bulk man work, thing works out and then the starting doesn't, you can always slide him back to bulk man. Um, so, the, you know, you got some options there. And it's not mm-hmm. like if starting doesn't work, they can't put him back in the bullpen. Um, so it's, you, don't have, you don't have any other options that I know of. Yeah. Angel Zerpa just had his first rehab start. He's not ready yet. So uh, and you got to have a fifth starter or, or somebody to take the majority of the innings in that fifth game. So I, I, I think that their, their hand is forced by deciding yeah. to move on from Myers that they're going to have to use probably Cox in that position. Jacob, this probably wasn't on your list because the Royals literally announced this while we started recording, but Ryan Yarbrough okay. is starting to rehab. So that really? is so that is someone who's maybe coming back on the horizon. Um, but back to Austin Cox, I they could make him like they could do with him basically what they did with Brad Keller back in 2018, where, yeah, he's in the bullpen for a little while, but then you start seeing two inning relief appearances, three inning relief appearances while they stretch him out into a starter role. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I didn't even think about that, Michael. So thank you for for bringing that up. Um, just to just to keep rolling with the with the transactions because we keep on getting derailed, and that's that's partially <laughs> my fault. Um, okay, so Myers got DFA'd. We already talked about that. The corresponding move that the Royals announced was Brooks Krisky getting promoted from the Omaha Storm Chasers. Um, not 
kind of similar to to Myers at like uh, where he is in his career. Um, Kriski's 29 years old. He made his debut back in 2020. Certainly not a like not a guy that a lot of fans are are busting down the door for. Um, and I think he's already he's already had one inning of relief this season, and it was one hit, one earned run, and two walks. So not a not what you want to see from him. But hey, the guy had a had a two point zero zero FIP up in Omaha. Like that is that is going to play, especially for a uh, for a rotation that just does not have any guy with that sort of stuff I, in Omaha. I heard two point zero zero WHIP instead of FIP for some reason. I was like, nope. that's not going to play anywhere. What are you talking about? So yeah, FIP. Sure, we'll go with yeah. that. That's good. <laughs> Well, to to be clear, he does in the major leagues. He does have a three point zero zero WHIP at the major leagues. Ah, yes, there we year. go. So there you go. Yes, there it is. Um, Michael, you know what? We we were just talking about Cox a little bit here, but if they're bringing up Krisky, do you think you know is he just gonna be another guy in the bullpen, or is he gonna be a a long relief Mike Myers replacement option? Do you think he's gonna get that chance? I think he's just gonna be kind of a guy. He's he's just kind of here. He's someone that they have. Um, he. And they're just going to see if they if they can get anything out of him. I mean, they're probably not going to trade him. It's too late for that. But like, kind of like no. Nick Whit- Nick Whit- Nick Whitgren had trouble saying that. Um, but I don't know. He could be somebody. Like you said, he did have some some okay expected numbers, um, which do not correlate with his actual numbers, which do not look know, very right? good. Because the the big thing apparently is that he's giving up a lot of home runs in AAA, and that might have to do with the fact that the offensive environment over there is just amplified. Although he did give up a home run immediately when he started pitching for the Royals, so I don't know. Um, yeah, and, and we say that he had an inning of relief. I feel like he had one out of relief, and then the other two thirds of the inning went to Freddie Fermin, who threw out two stolen paces. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's true. That is a good point, um, Jeremy. I mean, I'm not. I I just don't know what to think about all these transactions, man. There's there's a lot going on on the pitching front alone. Yeah, like we were. Go ahead. Uh, Brooks Krisky was a guy that I thought might break the break the season with the club, just because they they talked him up a little bit in spring training. He got a couple write ups, and that usually is kind of an indicator that that uh, the writers are getting some inside info. Hey, look at this guy. This guy, he's doing something that you might want to pay attention to. He might make the club. You might want to talk about that. Um, and then he didn't. So that was I was actually a little surprised he didn't make the club out of spring training. But it, it's not surprising at all to me that um, as the season has gone on, they're, they're going to find a way to get him up here. And, you know, the outing today obviously was not great, um, but he'll get a, he'll get a few more tries. Maybe he'll he'll figure some stuff out. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. And Jeremy, to your point, to, to be fair, the Royals did only have one beat writer on the uh, on the entire <laughs> road during spring training. I mean, the, the star and the athletic were nowhere to be found. But anyways, we will uh, we'll keep going on that. The the real news, I feel like, from all these transactions is the fact that Matt Beatty, he already had a locker room in in Kaufman, according to Andy Rogers, ahead of Sunday's game. So he is getting promoted from the Omaha Storm Chasers. Benny Pasquantino got moved from the 10 day IL to the 60 day IL. We were expecting that. That is, you know, we already knew he was going to be out for the season. But the guy going on the IL, Michael Massey, with that left hand laceration, that was a 
I'm trying to think a, a game injury. Like it's not like he was doing something stupid outside of the stadium or nothing like that. Um, if I recall correctly, Andy Rogers said that he sustained it on like a bunt attempt. If I recall correctly, yeah, it was the ball against, hit, hit he was his trying finger. to bunt against the Reds and the pitch came up and it was going to hit him in the face. So he used Woo. his bat to kind of defend himself and it hit his hand. Man, that's that's tough. But your hands in your face. Yes, yeah, exactly. True. Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> but it's it's just one of those things when you are, it doesn't matter if you're a baseball player just trying to live your everyday life, like a deep, and they said it was like a deep, deep cut on his mm-hmm. hand. It's not just like a little like blister or nothing like that. Whenever you get a major cut on your fingers, it's going to limit whatever you can do. I know, like I remember, I think I, for some reason, I, burned both my thumb and my pointer finger one time really bad and like i couldn't i couldn't type i couldn't write i couldn't try to play video games that was that was painful you know stuff like that it's uh it's weird how small injuries on your hands can really uh amplify i guess but michael i do want to say your uh your namesake michael massey are you are you worried about that at all or do you think this is just going to be an opportunity for someone else uh, I'm not I'm not worried about my about Massey long term because, you know, that 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 injury just seems like an accident. It's not going to really affect him long term. So I'm sure he'll be fine. And then in terms of who gets opportunities, I don't know. Some Taylor gets more time at second base. Maybe we see a little bit more Nicky Lopez than we might like, mm. um, which could actually help because maybe Nicky Lopez could be a trade asset for this team. So get him more playing time, get him some more value. That's true. That's true. Jeremy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, a, a cut on the finger is, is relatively minor as far as these things go. It's not a bone injury, not a ligament injury, not a muscle injury. Uh, skin is designed to heal from cuts. So uh, it's just, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time. That's why they put them on the IL. Um, and that's they, they've got a plethora of infielders, Matt Duffy, Nicky Lopez, Samad Taylor now. Um, they'll they'll be okay Um, and Nicky Lopez had a hot couple of last couple of days against the Angels so you know let him ride let him see if he can if he can convince somebody that oh you know Nicky Lopez oh he can hit after all okay (laughs) maybe we we do want Nicky Lopez maybe maybe so maybe so because he I mean man he had a great snag out there at at second base today that was that was awesome and and he kicked off two of the rallies yesterday that's true. And that's, had the that's a great point with the third one. And you know what? So speaking of batting stuff, Jeremy, we talked about this a little bit before we started the podcast. Um, everyone's really excited for Samad Taylor's start, and rightfully so. First two career MLB games, two RBIs, and he had a walk-off RBI single against the Angels to snap that losing streak. Absolute, absolutely great stuff. And I, I got chill seeing it. Um, I heard I heard Rex was crying in the in the booth. <laughs> it's uh, I wish I was exaggerating, but that is I, I believe what, that I totally no, believe I that. I believe it too. <laughs> but the the whole point of this is you look at Sunday's lineup and you have <laughs> Michael Garcia and Samad Taylor batting fourth and fifth. Guys known for their lack of power. I understand that they can hit for contact, okay? And they they absolutely did today. I understand. Samad Taylor had another hit. Michael Garcia, I believe, had a three-hit day, which was, which was very impressive. Including but, a double. I think it was the only extra base hit the Royals had all day. But see, like, that's, that's the thing. There was no pop 
in today's lineup at all. Like that's, it was a whole bunch of, I understand the small ball tactics work every now and then you bunt to get the guy over and you get the single and they score. I get Tim, it. it. It works. I just have to have a you. home run threat. Bunting is what it is, but your number five hitter bunting in the second inning. No, <laughs> no, bad. No, <laughs> Mike, what, what do you think about that? Um, you know, it's not something I thought about too much, but what, now that now that you actually like explain it to me, it's like, yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I guess it's like, how exactly do you write this roster when you need Salvi to not be catching? So that means you have to put in Freddie Fermin instead. And that also means that you can't really use Edward Olivares unless you want Edward Olivares in left field, which I do not approve of. That's a bad idea. <laughs> So I don't know. It's just kind of like the roster itself doesn't have a whole lot of pop once you uh, take out yeah. just one guy, really. No, that's that, that's absolutely true. And that was, you know, a lot of the pop is right now was relying on Vinny Pasquantino gone. Edward Olivares, extreme defensive liability. And, you know, Bobby Wood Jr.'s literally hit miss. And then you have Salvi like that's that is about it. No other. No other power bat has really emerged on this 2023 squad. What's Prado doing? Yeah, so I am curious how much Prado has been limited, I guess, in displaying his power, being in the leadoff spot. Like, you know, is he focused on just trying to get on base? I think he's just trying to hit. I think that's all he's trying to do. Which is, you know what, That's, that's his role. And I know he doesn't have like a whole bunch of this raw power like like Bobby has or like Ollie has, but you know, he, he could still still put one over the fence, even in Kauffman Stadium. So you know, everyone keeps telling me Nick Prado doesn't have a ton of power. He doesn't have a ton of power. I look at the fangraphs prospect report. He's got a 60 grade for raw power, which is a standard deviation above average. And then they project him right now. He's got a 55 game power, but they project him as being able to reach a 70 in game power, which on a 20 to 80 scale is is pretty crazy power is elite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 2021 across the minor leagues in double A and triple A, he had 36 home runs in like 120 games. So I I guess what I'm saying is not that he has power because I, he's only got four home runs this year and the same number of at bats and plate appearances that he had this, uh, he has this year compared to last year, last year, he had seven home runs this year. He's got four. Um, he's got 10 doubles versus nine last year. So uh, he's, he's still hitting doubles, but he's, he's not hitting home runs, but I, I do wonder if the power might show up eventually. Um, yeah. He's uh he's, 24 years old so he's not quite in that hitter's prime yet um so it's something to to think about for the future you're when you say that the he's not hitting for power and he's not helping this lineup hitting hit for power then you're not you're not inaccurate though okay okay hey this this is another thing that i do want to point out because i i put together this piece for kings of kaufman you know because looking at the home run factor in Kaufman this year it's a it's a crazy rise like last year it was you know on a scale of 100 being average hitting a home run in Kaufman Stadium last year was like at an 80 this year so far it's at a 99 like it's a it's a crazy jump and that is partially because the Royals lineup is just hitting more home runs believe it or not um like this year 
I know, right? Like, <laughs> well, this year it's a 30.93 at-bats per home run in Kauffman Stadium. This time last year, it was at 41.09 at-bats per home run. Like, that is, you know, that's that, that's a big rise. But I, I can I could talk about that later on it's you you are right jeremy coming up in the in the scouting and even in the in the draft process i remember that about nick prado was his his raw power and things like that i i am definitely curious how because we all heard about how his time in omaha was like a laboratory like how he was trying new things and working on a swing and things like that i wonder how much of the power was not lost but was sacrificed for the changes that he made in Omaha and that, you know what, that might not be a bad thing, but when you have the Kansas city Royals who have a plethora of contact first hitters, you gotta, sometimes you just gotta let a guy have a free swing and you gotta see what he can do to keep the line moving, whether that be a double, a triple, or even a home run. Oh man. As I, as I rant on about a, Nick Prado. I'm very, very sorry about that, guys. No, you're good. Uh, I do want to point out one thing that might be legit kind of concerning, and it's that his exit velocity is really not good mm, this season. Really? Like his average exit velocity is well below 90. It's like in the 25th Oof. percentile, um, uh. both in the average and max exit velocity. So I, I don't really know what's that. going on there. That is strange. That is, that is very concerning. That. Oh man, I swear if we have another freaking injury. <laughs> I, it might be, I, like, I don't know. It might be still part of that lab experiment you're talking about where yeah. He's, yeah. he's focused on making yeah. contact. And and so if it is, I think that's a good sign because what that can mean is that once he gets more comfortable making contact, he could start to bring the power back into his game. Otherwise, yeah, um, that average velocity is n- not going to play for a first baseman corner outfielder. No, not not at all. Not at all. <laughs> and not with the strikeouts he has either, certainly. Yeah, it's <laughs> another issue. I would I would call that I would call him like a, a three true outcome guy, but he doesn't hit any home runs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of walks, a lot of strikeouts, but everything in between is uh, up in the air. All right, guys, let's go ahead and take another quick ad break. Coming up on the other side of this, we're going to give our reviews. Plus, we got to talk about a little bit of uh, a little bit of anime. Stay tuned. And we're back here on the Royals Rundown podcast. So, guys, I uh, I was looking forward to this episode because both of y'all are not only vocal like Royals guys, but you're vocal anime guys as, as well. <laughs> And that's, uh, you know, I'm I'm in the military, so I under, it's a it's a walk of life thing. Like, I know a lot of folks that are into anime, but growing up in the Midwest, I didn't know a whole lot. And the folks that did were very much like made fun of and bullied and things like that. Um, so, Jeremy, I'm going to ask you first and Michael, I want to get your thoughts. But Jeremy. There's a lot of folks out there that just don't know how to get into anime and sports anime might be a, a good way to go for them. What are what are some of the series or, you know, individual episodes or things like that that you have seen in your watching history? So um, the when I think sports anime, the very first one I think of, I think, is probably the biggest baseball anime going in Japan. Obviously, baseball is very popular in Japan. 
Um, so they have they have more than one baseball anime, but the biggest one I know of, at least, is uh, Ace of the Diamond, um, which is it's a long running anime. It's only technically three seasons, but two of those seasons were like seventy episodes each or something like that. Yeah. Um, the 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 bad news uh, for some of you out there is that it is subtitled only. They've not ever done a dub of that anime, um, and, and the the other i guess kind of bad news is that when it comes to sports anime um one of the the features uh is that they really delve into uh deeply into the mechanics of the sport um so if you're already familiar with baseball and how baseball works it can be a little bit dull at times because you'll spend an entire episode talking about uh, what is a cut fastball and what does that mean and and how does it work and why do, how does it affect batters? And it's like, okay, yeah, I know cut fastballs, guys. Thanks. Um, but the good news is it's a it's about it follows a high school baseball team. Um, and there's there's a lot of fun characters. There's a lot of drama, uh, and uh, you you actually can learn a lot about Japanese baseball culture um, by watching the anime. Like I learned that um, the the two teams will have cheering sections, uh, and they'll have their own chants. And it's it's not just like everybody fills the stadium and sits wherever. It's like no, you're a fan of this team, you're over on this side. You're a fan of this team, you're over on this side, and you're expected to know the chants and participate. Um, and, and and all kinds of cool stuff like that. Um, and like I said, it's 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 got a lot of really fun characters and it's definitely uh it's definitely worth checking out if you like baseball you you might get bored sometimes but um it's it's worth it for the for the drama that you'll get other times okay all right michael do you have any suggestions yeah so um kind of almost being like an antithesis of what jeremy was saying i do have an a, a baseball anime that is extremely mechanical but in a very very in a much more specific way. So my baseball anime of choice is one outs. Okay. It's a, it's an anime from to the two thousands. So I have no idea if they ever localized it because that era of anime is always really fuzzy. Um, but it's about a pitcher who is just kind of like part of this sort of underground gambling sort of place. And then he signs with a professional baseball team and he gets like this, he has this kind of unusual contract where he gets X amount of yen or money um, for every out he records. But if he gives up a run, then he loses a certain amount of money. So he has to make his, he he's kind of has to play out his career and try to keep it completely, perfectly scoreless. But the thing is, the only thing that he has in his arsenal is a kind of slow fastball that doesn't really do a whole lot and then a slow moving curveball. This guy only has two pitches and neither of them are very good. So what he does is he just gets in the batter's heads and he manipulates them into just constantly thinking about the many different possibilities that he could pos that he could throw, as well as many exploitations of the rules in baseball and other teams will try, you know, they know how good this guy is. So they also try counteracting how he is that so they'll, they'll, they'll come up with all these different ways of cheating. I'm going to kind of spoil something and say that they straight up predicted the Astros uh, trash can scheme, like all the way back in 2008, there's basically a team that would communicate different pitcher pitches to the, their hitters, like what pitchers, what pitches this guy would throw to the hitters by using a drum beat. 
and just was straight up the same thing what that the Astros did a decade later. Um, so yeah, so it goes into like lots of really, really weird and complex rules in baseball to um to kind of um deliver this weird psychological plot. Like it's a psychological anime disguised as a baseball anime, and it is a very unique approach to sports anime in general. Huh. I'm gonna that, have to that check is that strange. out. Yeah. And you know what? I I ain't gonna lie, guys. I I kind of stick to my to my shonen anime. That's that's about it. So I I appreciate any any insight y'all got. Um, Jeremy, Michael, and I were talking about this before the before the podcast started. But what is what is your definition of a isekai anime? Uh, so traditionally, an isekai anime would be a person from the quote unquote real world dies and is reborn in a new world it doesn't have to go that way um i guess i would argue swords art online sword art online is an isekai and that one is where they just get into a virtual reality and then they're trapped there um so it's basically just a person with knowledge and experience from the quote-unquote real world ends up in a fantasy scenario because whenever they're reborn they retain their knowledge for whatever reason um so i i guess that's how i would define it okay michael i mean does that is that pretty much in line with what you were thinking pretty much basically i mean isekai literally just means another world so usually you can tell what an if it's an isekai because it'll have another world in the title like re-zero starting life in another world is a maybe the biggest one okay all right yeah guys i'm gonna i'm gonna stick to my to my shonen i'll i'll get out of there eventually because i there's so many good uh, isekai at least that well, are like, really like shonen. I, well, so like, we're talking about this earlier, Jeremy. Like, I I really enjoyed Devil Devil is mm-hmm. a part timer. That was that was a very good isekai. Um, and you know what, Sword Art Online is a very divisive anime amongst <laughs> the uh, amongst the sub- subculture to say the least. But I will admit that was the first a- anime of any type that I watched from beginning to end. So. That is, uh, I wouldn't say it holds like a special place in my watch history, but it is definitely like formative in a way, I guess. Um, but yeah, out, outside of that, it's a lot of like Hunter Hunter, My Hero Academia, Naruto, that sort of stuff was what was formative, I guess. I mean, because Jeremy, I, good too. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you is, I don't love yeah. some shonen. <laughs> so I, I, I will... Let me sound uneducated for a second here, Jeremy, because I am failing to think of a slice of life or non shonen anime that is reaching on the cultural level that shonen anime is. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. So you want a slice of life that is a big deal. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> the most recent Michael, Michael anything off the top of your head because I'm having to think. The, yeah, the most recent one would be Bochi the Rock. It's an anime about yeah, a okay, I haven't school, watched that one yet. It's an it's an anime about a high school girl who has massive anxiety. She has never made a single friend in her entire life, but she gets really really into music. She learns how to play a guitar and her dream is to be in a rock band, but again, she has massive anxiety. She has no idea how to talk to people. So it's kind of a that, that's kind of what it's about. It's about that's her joining a, a band. Really common plot point character type in 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 the slice of life genre for the last couple of years right the the girl who can't talk to anybody a little bit yeah you you, you, you see these pop up over now and then 
Well, and maybe that's just a, you know, a little bit of a social commentary, if if you will. You know, it, a lot of folks have been dealing with anxiety and social, you know, not not understanding social settings and things like that. So I don't know. I, I got Absolutely. another one for you. Uh, what you got? The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, which I actually mentioned to my friend earlier, uh, is another it's it's a fantastical slice of life, but it's still a slice of life anime. Um, OK. And it's one of my absolute favorites. So I, I'm, I'll ask, if you're looking for a slice of life, I absolutely recommend that one. Okay. Michael, before we cut this off, do you have any other last minute suggestions? Uh, for slice of life specifically? Um, I don't think so. Can I, can I give you an isekai recommendation yeah. before you run away? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to give you, uh, oh gosh, I forgot the name. Oh no. It's uh, that time I got reincarnated as a slime. That's oh, a really yeah. good one. Yes. I've so, heard good things about that uh, one. And I refused to watch it for, for a little bit. And, uh, and, and I, I regretted that. I was like, I should have been watching this from day one. What was I thinking? <laughs> so, so if you're looking for an isekai, that one, and, I, and I, I know that I'm getting a little bit ridiculous, but I want to give you one shonen that you haven't mentioned that I think okay. you might want. All right, you ready? All right. One of my favorite shows, yeah. Fire Force. Might check that out. Yeah, I've heard good things about Fire Force. I just haven't started it yet. Heck yeah. It's uh yeah, that's that's another one that from my understanding for my limited friends over in Japan, like that's kind of a underrated cultural like giant. Interesting. If you will. Yeah, which I, is, I don't know I don't anyone know. else who watches it here. I just found Really? I I I, I it's weird cuz it's it's it starts firefighters and you're just like okay firefighters what but then it it goes completely off the rails from there um so it's uh it's a lot of fun because they're actually they're not just fighting fires they're fighting people are spontaneously combusting and they're fighting those fires so yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous but it's a shonen so what else did you expect jeremy did you know because i'm asking because you mentioned this to me or um you mentioned this anime to me like when we uh, when we were waiting for Jacob to revive back to life. Did you know that Fire Force is created by the same person who made Soul Eater? I did not know that. That yep. actually makes a lot of sense. Yep. The the art looks really similar yes. too. Is that okay? So I, that, at least the there. first thing I think of is the 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 sharp teeth that um that what's his face from Soul Eater has, and then the main protagonist of Fire Force has those two. That is true. That is true. Well, hey, guys, I think we've given enough uh, enough reviews and suggestions <laughs> to cover our Royals review reviews for this go around. Michael, I want to give you the I want to give you the soapbox for a little bit. I want you to let folks where I want to let you tell folks where they can find your work, your podcast and everything like that. At Please go ahead. Yeah, so I am. I do a podcast called Royal Deluxe. It's just me going insane because this season has not gone the way I thought it was going to. So I just suffer alone every Monday and Friday. Um, I am at Royal Deluxe Pod on Twitter, but I'm also at the MF and KC for some other non-completely podcast-related things. And also, I have the unfortunate dishonor of moderating the Royals subreddit r slash KC Royals. I am the user Mozilla Fennekin over there and i'm currently kind of if, if anybody has visited that place in like the last year and you remember when i set it on fire i'm kind of doing that again where i'm turning into like a crazy art project where i just break everything because that's what the season 
that's that's what it deserves this season it's broken um we we actually shut down the, the subreddit for a couple of days because reddit is protesting um some really dumb changes that they're making to the website which i which they are dumb um so i'm like oh this is a great opportunity to not watch the royals so i shut down the subreddit because i'm like this team's bad go away um and yeah <laughs> what's what's the reddit again r slash casey royals and I, I will say, Michael, it's it's an interesting place to not only like hear opinions and stuff like that, but to get information on anything Royals baseball or just baseball in general. Reddit is very much a niche blend of like any sabermetrics website and Twitter because people will just say the craziest things, but then they'll have yeah. information to back it up. It's a it's a very odd place at times, to say the least. But Michael, um, Jeremy and I are both very appreciative of you coming on today's episode. Very much a, a good time. And we would like to pull you out of your insanity corner <laughs> a little bit more moving forward in the future. I know I've had you on um, from fairly early on in the podcast, actually. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for, for coming back on. We appreciate and it. And I, I, I got to say, yeah, I just want to double that and say I've been looking forward to this all week and it did not disappoint awesome uh you know I, I mean obviously i listen to you guys all, all the time I, I, I listen to every world's podcast i listen to i read everybody's stuff but you know jacob and i we've been good friends for a little bit now and it's really great meeting you as well jeremy so i'd love to be on uh whenever you have me whenever you want me well heck yeah i, I don't think what we'll, you will have to be waiting too long for that guys but hey we're gonna go ahead and get on out of here it is a sunday evening and uh i have a bed calling my name i'm ready to go to sleep <laughs> But to all the listeners out there who are listening to this whenever you are, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for listening. And until next time, go Royals. <laughs>